All right, it's the Mitch and His Dad podcast. I am Mitch Marzoni here, as always, with my dad. Hey, Dad, how are you? All right, I think this is number four. Uh, yes, yes, it would be. Yeah, we've uh, more or less, uh, and, and, and we're a day late. Yeah, well, we're kind of a week and a day late, but hard to say. Okay, we're a week and a we're eight days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, to be fair, we did put up that third episode as sort of a bonus, and so to me, oh, I didn't feel like we needed to do one last week because of that. Uh, bonus, we bonused them. Yeah, so yeah, this is this is n- numero four, IV, I believe. Have you ever dropped? Do you ever buy big gulps? You know what I mean by a big gulp. Yeah, yeah. You have Seven uh, Eleven out there, do you? Yeah. Absolutely. Have you ever dropped a big gulp in your car while uh, you're driving? No, I. Uh, the closest thing is I had a, a very large cup from Burger King, and I got uh, t-boned. And uh, oh, ouch! Yeah, and so that that was well. That's uh, got yeah, but that's yeah. a reason. I mean, that's a good yeah. reason to drop a drink. Well, I, I, just, I thought you just meant have you ever had a giant drink explode in your car and it's soda oh, and it's sticky that, everywhere for weeks? What the point is, I was, my question is, and of course this has probably more, more to do with my age than anything, but I bet you half a dozen times over the past five or six years, I have dropped a big gulp in my car because I'm doing too many things at once. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in there and I'm yeah. trying to do something, and I mean, it's just a disaster when you drop one, you know, because you oh, got to yeah. pull over for one thing. you got to get out of traffic and get away where you can get out of the car because the stuff is all over the place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's anyway, sticky for just, It's like impossible to clean. That's just... Well, I actually carry this old, <laughs> huge, thick towel. I mean, this towel has got to be seven feet high. It's taller than me. Wow. And uh, it's an old purple, real thick towel, and I carry it now in the car just for that purpose because it absorbs, you know, like lakes and things. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like huge. All right, okay. So so far, I've been able to kind of, <clears throat> you know, keep it fairly decent without the sticky. But man, are now are you anyway, are you when you're grabbing the cup? Are you grabbing it from the middle? Girth, are you kind of doing the thing where you put your hand over the top of the cup and sort of lift up straight up? Yeah, well, I have the I have the cup holder that holds the big cup with the shaved bottom. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, my cup holder it fits in there like a glove. Okay, sure. You know, I got two spots we can put two of the cups and so forth. Yeah, I think well, that's why they do the the shaved my bottom. My problem is my problem is I like a lot of ice. Okay. In fact, I will only get big gulp type drinks if the ice is like this real shaved ice. So I can fill. I want to fill a cup up with ice and then put the coke. Anyway, okay. okay. Depending on like the situation, I could be doing the claw thing where from the top you kind of claw the fingers and you pick it up and then you grab it with the other hand. But see, that's a problem when you're driving because yeah. that's means. Yeah, that's a damn disaster waiting to happen. Then you go to the middle pickup, and the cup is now made so cheaply that it gives. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like a solid thing. Yeah, I remember the the 80s, there was thick plastic, and now it's that flimsy stuff that that, that bends to your hand when you grab it. Right, and... and, and, Distorting the lid, which pops off. Now, you see, here's now you've talked about my really main problem. All right. (laughs) I don't use a lid. (laughs) Oh, there you... Well, there's... Problem I don't numero use the lid and I don't use a straw. Uh, anyway, okay. it's you know it's it's gone naked basically. Mm-hmm. But they grab, grabbing the middle is a problem with me because I fill up the cup to the you know 
like the maximum value of the cup. Yeah, yeah. So if I grab the middle, it's like squeezing it, and it comes out the top. Yeah, yeah. So what I actually have to do, if you can picture this, (laughs) I go in with the index finger into the cup, into the drink, actually. Okay. I pick it up with my thumb and index finger. I pick it up. Now, the problem with that is the thumb and index finger don't grip all that good. No, not at all. But I pull it up with that, and then I and then I kind of get the hand around it, and, that's, and then I'm I'm pretty much good to go. But you can see now the disaster how it happens. I mean, I got no lid, no straw. I don't know how to pick it up. I'm yeah, not yeah. Agile. Now, now, might I suggest? I mean, uh, the 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 better way to go, I think, would be to right, buy a. Uh, uh, kind of a, a thick plastic, not a thermos per se, but uh, it's a thick, yeah. almost like a sports bottle, almost like a sports bottle, but not with the squeezy top. Uh, it's got a lid, and it's got like a big, thick plastic straw. It's got a little like or- accordion-style plastic straw. Buy one of those, and they'll let you fill it up, and it'll be cheaper than a regular Big Gulp. The problem I have is I have a couple of those kinds of cups. One is actually a thermal coffee thing that I use for coffee. It's a Dallas Cowboys thing. Okay. And the good thing about this, it not only fits in the bottom of the cup holder, mm-hmm. but the handle of it actually fits in this little notch that's in the in the cup holder. Oh, okay. All right. It's All like right. it was made for this car or something. I mean, it's ridiculous All how good right. it fits. And that thing is great. The problem with that, of course, it doesn't act as a big gulp because you can't... By the time I fill it up with ice, it's going to take like four ounces of drink. You know, it's not... Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like a 12-ounce cup or something. Sure, sure. I'm buying 40-ounce cups here. Right. I'm talking about like... Uh, I'm sure I could find a picture of one somewhere. I know what you mean, you know, but, but they yeah, don't... Yeah. The thing is, the bigger they get... The less likely they ought to fit into my cup holder. I know what you're talking about. They no, no, they have ones that have a shaved bottom for the sole purpose of fitting into a cup holder. But they're not going to be 44 ounces. Okay, that's my I'll point. I'll bet you that. I bet you I could find because they're going to. They, they pretty much what you need to find is one that matches the shape of a big gulp. It's just a thick, thick 80s style exactly. plastic. I have never seen one of those. All right, I have. I've I'm seen them. For them. Now I, mean, I know I'll... what to get you for Christmas. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now let me ask you this question, moving away from the big gulp topic. I know you were out of town over the holidays because you went to Phoenix. Yes, yes, for two days. I was not contacted by anybody in Phoenix, family of any kind, but uh, I had the rumor that you were there because I think you told me you were going. It's a pretty solid rumor. And I think you visited uh, Meredith's, what would you call it? the the family boyfriend. of uh, yeah family of her boyfriend boyfriend's parents but well a whole family really yeah well I met the parents okay. when I was there in June or July June okay and uh, boy they are characters particularly him and he is fun oh yeah no he's a he's I was about to say that the father's a real character we, we oh got man he was fun to be around that guy I don't know how old he is he's older than me though yeah yeah but he he's, he's you know he knows about a lot of stuff and he's real. You know, he was really fun to be around. I mean, I enjoyed meeting him and everything. Yeah. And the mother, too, is a character. She just doesn't have a chance to get in a word edgewise with me and him talk. See? Yeah. That yeah. was the problem with that. Yeah. So that was, did you actually have the turkey at their house? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I ate very light at their house, uh, knowing that there would be two Thanksgivings. And uh, um, oh, so you did have a regular one back at Meredith's house? Uh, no, at actually Blake's house, Meredith's uh, ex-husband's uh, place. 
So Meredith went to the future husband's house and the ex-husband's house. <laughs> Am I right about that? Uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to call anybody a future husband because you know how I well, feel about okay, that. I'm sorry. But, okay, you, you can call it what you want, but yes, you, you've got the basic idea correct. Yes, that's. Uh, I probably went beyond the boundary with that. I'm sorry. Now I will say, Apologize. like uh, Blake, uh, Meredith's ex-husband, the family. Um, I, I just totally dig them, and they're very, very cool people. I love hanging out at their house. Uh, Lynn, um, uh, Blake's mom, is uh, just an amazing cook, and uh, and Bob, uh, Blake's dad, is, is a load of fun to be around. Um, and uh, I always like going to their place for, like, Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff, and I remember the first time that I came out after Meredith had gotten divorced from Blake, I was out for, uh, to Phoenix for Thanksgiving, and uh, she was going somewhere with a boyfriend at the time, uh, and I, I went and had Thanksgiving at a steakhouse, and yeah. um, and I was like, you know, I kind of wish I could just go over to you know Blake's parents' house, you know. And I thought, but I, mean, I was like, nah, that'd probably be weird. Maybe without wanna... Meredith, yeah. And I thought, well, that'd probably be weird because I asked Meredith if she was going there, despite you know what happened, and she goes, no, I'm not. And I was like, okay, well, just that's what I thought we were doing, but okay, cool, whatever. And then later, you know, she was like, so what'd you do? I said, I went to a steakhouse. She goes, you didn't go to, like, friends' places? I was like, my friends go with their family. I don't, you know, I'm not going to, like, intrude and start calling friends at the last minute. She goes, well, you should have gone to, you know, Blake's house. I said, well, I'm not just going to show up. And she goes, no, they, they're fine with that. They asked me if you were coming. And I was like, oh. And Does um, everyone on this podcast know who Meredith is? Oh, uh, I think so. Meredith is my sister for everyone listening. I thought we mentioned... Okay, Older sister. Yeah, mm-hmm. older sister. Um, she's got two kids. Uh, another one on the way. Um, and my daughter. Yes, and your daughter. Yes. I yeah. feel like that goes without Our saying. But <laughs> if I say she's my sister and everybody knows you're my dad, then it stands to reason. But okay, we'll go with that. Your daughter, I'm yes. I'm trying to get in my two cents. You know me. I'm, i got to get <laughs> I, I understand. can't just, you know. I understand. Um, well, so, so, so let me ask you this question. Okay, go ahead. Back at the ranch, Meredith's house, there was you didn't eat again or something. She didn't have like Thanksgiving over there too, did she? Oh, at her own house? No. Yeah. No, we just went to the two families. No. Well, you mean? I mean, that was enough, really. Oh I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, because I, I mean, the thing is, I, I saved room in my stomach because I. I know that when you don't I go. Have a stomach. What do you mean, you stomach? <laughs> well, what little I have of a stomach. Um, I saved room because Lynn and Bob, you know Blake's parents. Lynn and Bob, like when we, whenever you go over there, it's just a big party. There's everybody over there. I know them, so I don't feel uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And I knew I would end up eating a lot more there, and I did. I had like two helpings. It was just everything. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I didn't eat much at. Um, and the new boyfriend, uh, um, oh God, why it was Sam? Sam, God, I'm terrible for not remembering that immediately. Sam uh, Epstein. Epstein, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, Sam's place, I didn't eat so much because uh, I didn't know anybody, and it was a very, you know, that thing where you walk into a place where everyone knows everyone, and the people you're with know everyone, and so they're just so used to knowing everyone that they neglect to actually introduce you to anyone. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, that happened, and there was about twenty people there. I knew Jeez. all of zero of them. Uh, so Jeez. you know, yeah. And so I showed up with Meredith and Sam, and they're just walking around talking to everybody. And I was like, okay. Sam's mom introduced what? herself to me. Where? What's that? What were you wearing? Uh, Clothing. Uh, I was wearing a button-up shirt. 
uh, dress slacks and uh, my dress jacket. Um, shoes, wanna, shoes. Oh, uh, leather shoes, uh, no laces. So it was like going to work kind of thing. Yeah, well, I mean, that's pretty much what I wear all the time now. It's comfortable. It looks good. Oh, and it's, and good. it's it works everywhere, you know? There's no, nobody's, nobody's going to argue and be like, oh, look at you, slumming it, you know? And it's not so yeah. dressy. It pretty much, it, once I tuck in the shirt, then I'm dressed up. But if I don't tuck I've, the shirt in, then it's like I'm casual. Uh, I got you. So it works everywhere. I love it. It's uh, it's, it's great. very fashionable right now is to leave your shirt out. You you come on. You can remember you 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 raised me. How many times did I tuck in my shirt when I was a kid? <laughs> you always told me to tuck in the shirt. I was like, I don't want it. I still well, don't. when anything I told you, you wanted to do the opposite thing. So you know that actually, I I have a, a quick funny funny sort of story or joke. Uh, I don't know if I've ever told it on stage, but it's something funny. Is I remember when I was a kid. Say something's funny before you say it. Okay, well, I think you'll enjoy it. How's that? Okay. <laughs> well, it's, it's 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 a funny premise. I'm not saying you know. Oh, okay, know, it's whatever. a funny premise. I, that passes. There go you ahead. go. Okay. So uh, when I was a kid, you used. To, I remember certain things that you wanted me to do. You would you would pitch them to me as manly things to do, and and me not understanding really the concept of that, you would say mostly jokingly. You would say, "Come on, it'll put hair on your chest." Yeah. Right. I have five chest hairs, which I think represent the five times I did whatever it is you were telling me to do that would grow a chest hair. I see. <laughs> That's sort of well, the way I I'm think gonna, of it. I'm not going to get into that because there's a there's a uh, theory about chest hair, so we we don't need to get into that. No. Now I'm curious. Tell me this theory. No. 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 It's 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 very politically incorrect so i i, th- already, I assume you're going to say something about like manliness and 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 uh, uh heterosexuality and, and i wouldn't call it manliness no but anyway right. it, it's not masculinity important. or something it's not important the it's testosterone based thing yes. okay so so you didn't need a lot over at the <laughs> epstein house no no did you do any drinking over there uh i believe i had a drink there i had a uh it was terrible. It was a vodka and this like weird pink grapefruit peach thing. It was wow. Oh no no no! I'm sorry. It was like it was cranberry. It was white peach cranberry, and uh, it wow. gave me this terrible <laughs> terrible headache. I had a very small amount of vodka in it, and I had this oh, raging geez. headache immediately. And I was like, "This is terrible." You might have hit the wrong button or something. Oh yeah. It was, it you was know, atrocious. I've only met Blake. Meredith's former husband. Yes. I've only met Blake's parents once, and it was at the wedding. Yeah, yeah. The only time that I can recall ever being around either one of them. But, you know, I've heard so many great things about them, and particularly from the grandkids, you know, from... Uh, oh, yeah, he's great with Farley and Riley, uh, they really like them. They, they, get a, they get along really well with them. Yeah, Bob will uh, Bob will bust out an acoustic guitar and play Gloria, and the girls will sing it with him. Does he sing it at the same time? Yeah, yeah, he'll sing a little bit of it, and then he'll kind of let them take over, and they do this whole dance, and they're singing of uh, the most sing, PG version of Gloria I've ever heard, by the way. But I sing Beatles songs. There you go. You play the guitar gonna, now. I'm not going to do that. Believe me, <laughs> <laughs> that's for the shower. <laughs> Yeah, when he's, I'm, he's you know, I mean, I'm not. He's no. Uh, he's no Dean Martin, but you know, he he can he can carry a tune. I like people that like to sing. There's something about 
you know, uh, there's something about their personality that that makes them all around good people when they when they like to sing for some reason. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but there's something about liking to sing. That's fair. See, I grew up at a time when everybody wanted my age. Everybody wanted to be Elvis Presley. We wanted to look like Elvis. We wanted to be able to imitate Elvis. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It was like an Elvis thing. Sure. By the we way, had that we, with Nirvana bounced, out when I was growing up, or when I was in high school. We, we, we just bounced past the Beatles and Elvis, so I can tell you this quick Beatles-Elvis story. Please do. Now, the Beatles were at the very absolute height of their popularity when they finally came to the United States. Yeah. When they landed in New York City, they actually landed in New Jersey. You know what the first thing they did? They didn't even go to the hotel. Guess what they did? They caught a plane, flew to Los Angeles because they wanted to be they wanted to see Elvis. Weird. I've never heard that. How about that? That's a pretty good little story. A lot of people don't remember that. I, I, really, I can't believe I've never heard that. That they wanted the to be in the presence of the king. That's interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. I always keep that. Oh, I love the Beatles, so I don't have anything against the Beatles. I mean, I love the Beatles. Right, right. In fact, that Beatles show in Vegas, the Circus Soleil. Love, yeah, uh, yeah. Love thing, man. That was the best show of any kind of live entertainment I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, it was awesome. You know Barry Manilow? Yes. You ever heard of him? Yes, I know about him. He he wrote. He was, it's uh, actually interesting. He's written like almost every catchy commercial jingle from the seventies and eighties. Yeah. He wrote all. Oh, those. he made a fortune writing jingles. That's what he did. Well, yeah. he was sitting right in front of us oh, in the wow. row in front of us at, uh, at the. We had these tremendous seats. We paid a fortune for him. But I would imagine if you're sitting near Mary sitting, Manilow, you got to get some. That's some good seats. Yeah, he was sitting right in front of us. Uh, it was that was just fun. I mean, the way they, they they interacted with the audience and the show itself, the audience played a part in the show. I mean, it was I don't know. It was just it was incredible. There's a I remember talking. I remember talking to your mom about it because she saw it before I did. Yeah. In fact, she's the one that recommended that that Jenny and I see it when we go there. Yeah. And uh, man, it was great. Um. It's a funny thing uh, that a comedian I've told you about before, that Pat Oswalt, he was the rat in Ratatouille, and he played the guy in Big Fan. Oh, yeah. I saw Big Fan. He played. Yeah, he was yeah. the fat guy? Yeah, he was the big fan. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So he's, a, he's a, yeah, one of my that. favorite comedians. Um, certainly the last few years, he, he probably tops a list of comedians in the last few years. What's uh, his name? Patton Oswalt. And P-A-T-T-O-N? He, yeah, yeah. And he uh, he has a joke on um, not his last a uh, few CDs ago, but he has a joke where he was talking about the red state blue state thing and the disconnect and all that. And he says, "I don't understand, you know, the people that like hate gays and whatever they don't go get, but they'll still they'll go to Cirque du Soleil and it's the gayest thing you've ever seen." And he goes this whole thing and he goes uh, he goes, "What <laughs> I figured out is Cirque du Soleil is catnip for older people." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, okay. when you think about it, like it's funny to me because like everyone over, I'd say late forties, just loses their shit over Cirque du Soleil. 
Well, but there's so many different ones. You know, Circus du Soleil is not one and No, group I know, of but I, I could not. I go to Vegas, there's like four different I, Circus du Soleil at I the know. same time. But I'm telling you, I could pull 30 of my friends right now, and not a one of them have ever seen a Cirque du Soleil show. I'm going to tell you something. When you're in Vegas, that's going to be true of almost every show in Vegas. I mean, what's the big hit show right now in Vegas? I have Beth no idea. Midler. I don't. I didn't even know that. Who's older than me, by the way? Right. Well, no. I, what I'm saying is just you know, yeah. There's shows in Vegas. There's a lot. Of, I went to the Penn and Teller show. I mean, you know, I yeah, can no, I could easily tell you most of my friends have seen that show. Yeah, I, I've never seen him except on HBO, and I, I I don't get him at all. I don't get I don't get what's funny about them at all. I think you'd like their. their I mean, I like the magic show. more than I like the jokes and stuff. There's too much cursing and stuff. You know. That's fair. They don't curse in their live show. It's very family friendly. They don't curse they, in their live shows. I would have no. thought they curse even more. No, not at all. No, it's very family friendly. It's it's, but it's a I'm great great show, and I think you'd like it a lot. I, I really think you'd enjoy. Uh, it. So, uh, let's yeah. go back to the Thanksgiving. I'm interested in oh, something. Okay. Oh, uh, I do want to say, like this is this is my, uh, just sort of a you know. Bob and Lynn, when I, when I talk to Bob, he seems to tell me this every year. He reminds me of this. Well, every year, so the last two years, I guess. Um, he'll sit down and he's like, you're always welcome here, you and your sister, your family. You know, don't ever feel like you're a stranger. You're all, You guys are always welcome here. And he says, you know, and he says, for for now and forever, you're always welcome here, your family. And uh, he's all, and I made a promise to your mother that I would watch after the two of you. So he's got a, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a warm feeling. So um, no disrespect to Sam's family, but that's sort of where I was like, yeah, I, I got to go have Thanksgiving over there. I got to do it all up over there, you know, really get. Well, into you have it. a totally different connection to them than you were there to Sam's family this at this true. point. This is true. Yeah. At and this that, point, we yeah, don't know yeah. the future will bring, but uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard nothing but absolutely positive things about Blake's family. In fact, I mean, I always liked Blake, so I mean, that's yeah, I know, I know Meredith will flip the hell out about that, but uh, well, I mean, uh, you know, what's the dislike? I know he didn't like to change light bulbs or something. I know that. But I, anyway. there, there's a lot of private stuff that uh, we're not going to get into on the. Yeah, podcast. we're not going to no, get into no, that. Yeah, Let's no. forget about that. I'm just but, saying that's uh, that's that's the things that you don't know that frankly I barely know. Meredith doesn't even. Yeah, tell but I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I that's do fine. not want to know fine. any of that that's stuff. Fine. Just but, saying, there's uh, more to it. All right. Got yeah, it. but uh, how so, was your Thanksgiving? What did you do? Well, wait a minute. All right. After you got away, after you left, <laughs> got uh, away. After you left, <laughs> <laughs> after you left the Epstein house. Yeah. Where do they live in Phoenix? I don't know. I, I okay. That whole After area you, where Meredith is at I, is completely foreign to me. And oh, I just that was, is that car. where they live up on that side of town? Yeah, I think. I'm pretty sure it's okay. like over in that area. Yeah. Okay. So when you left there, you went over to visit the uh, the uh, Carbergs. The Carbergs. Yeah. Epstein and the Carbergs. Uh, and Meredith has a name for the the son, by the way. She's come up with a name. What song? The son. The son that she's having, her the boy son. that's on the way? Oh, oh, he, she did come up. Now, yeah. wait a minute. Before you say the name. Okay. We talked about names when I was there. Well, not, not when I was there, but when I talked to her the one time that I actually had a conversation. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, well, go ahead. What, 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 what,
Oh my goodness! Spelled the way that you'd think it would be spelled, Grayson. Oh no! Like Gray Sun. I like no, it. No. It's a good name. Tell me no. Why? Why? What's the matter with that? What's the middle name? Well, I don't know yet. I know that they were they were floating around Ryder, which I liked because I said Grayson Epstein sounds like a multimillionaire. Well, I thought Grayson right like if we if they go with Ryder for the middle name, I love that because then he sounds like an ancient warrior. You know, yeah. like Grayson Ryder, go forth. You know, it's but you do you do realize that anyone named Grayson, I have a friend of mine that I actually went to college with was named Grayson. Oh, so it's not a modern name. Okay, that's good. Grayson Connors was his name. Huh. Very wealthy family. Anyway. Didn't care for him, did you? He was called... Oh, I liked him a lot. I got along with him very well. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, we are, we called him Gray. Okay. And I can tell you that's what this kid will be called. He will be called Gray his whole life. Okay. That's just the way... What is this internet connection problem? What is that little bleep I just got? I don't know. It clearly is not... Uh, it's I'm not, not even connected. You are... <laughs> Oh, I have to be connected, don't I? <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I just have to. Uh, no. no, you know, it's not. This is no like failing on your part. It's just a funny thing that, because I've worked <laughs> online for you know 15, 16 years now, and it, longer than that, and it's like, it's hilarious <laughs> to me because my friends and I will make jokes, sort of like, yeah, you know, a lot of people get on their computer, they start it up, and they go. I see the big E, and it says Internet, and that's the Internet. So exactly. as far as you're concerned, that's the Internet. Absolutely. The browser is the Internet. Yeah, but that's all, in, all, in all cases. <laughs> yeah, but you are talking over the Internet, and you're not all using right, a browser. I, you know, I so. believe you. It's okay. It's okay. I'm just saying, okay, like, now, the Internet connection problem isn't an issue because you're still connected. So we're okay for now. Hopefully it doesn't. You don't need to know about my Thanksgiving. Uh, we, you know, when, when we don't go out of town or go out to a hotel or something, which we do from time to time, um, we just, you know, go to a movie. Oh, okay. What did you see? We go to a lot of movies during the holidays because there's there's a lot of movies that'll be nominated for Academy Awards that come out in the last four or five weeks. You know that. Sure. Yeah. Of the year. Yeah. Okay. Let me see if I can remember what I saw. <laughs> Ah, I saw the one with, um, well, let's see. I think I went to a different theater. I'm trying to remember. The one, two, three, something. Oh, year know. one, two, three, or something oh, like that. Okay. I was thinking, you know. Matt Damon and so. I thought you were thinking about 127 hours or whatever it was. Oh, I didn't go see that. I heard about it. I was told graphically about it, and I will not be seeing that. Yeah, that doesn't. Uh, did you ever see uh, real quick? Did you ever see open? Did you ever see Open Water? Yes. All right. Uh, that was sort of my feeling towards Open Water. Is I was like, oh, I really want to see it. That looks fascinating. And then literally thirty seconds afterwards, I thought what the experience of seeing that movie would be like, and I was like, wait a minute, is two people in open water? That's it. <laughs> and I was like. That's got to be a terrible movie and an exceedingly boring. And then I watched it and I was like, it is. I was right. It was an exceedingly boring, terrible movie. Two people <laughs> stuck out in the open ocean while slowly a shark attacks them. And it's just like, yeah. really? I don't... Like, I get it. Yeah, mood, drag it out, blah, 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 blah. But, like, seriously, I don't need to see people floating in an ocean for 90, you know, minutes. I thought it's, they were going to get saved is what I thought. 
Yeah, well, that's that's kind of what. Anyway, you're we shouldn't about. ruin it for those who haven't seen hey, it. You don't see it. I'll ruin it for all them and okay. save them the <laughs> save them the trouble of you know okay. putting it on Netflix or something. What was, I don't know. what was the other movie I saw? Okay, I saw <clears> Social. <throat> Uh, shoot, I can't even remember now. Yeah, I, don't I can't know. remember because we got so many movies on the list to see right now. Right, Let right. me pull out my little list thing. Maybe I can find it on here. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> fair see. game, I saw that. Okay, I really need to start going so, in the movie. You should tell me what three, you, what's the next, next one you three see? days is it what it's called. Okay, okay. Oh, I thought you were going to say, Jennifer like, here's what we're seeing in the next three days. I was like, okay, go for it. <laughs> no, no, that's the name of it. Jenny went to see Burlesque. Uh, I've never heard of that. Okay. Which has got Cher in it. Cher and uh, Aguilera. Uh, it's like a musical type thing. Okay, yeah, it makes sense, given the title. Yeah. and um, <clears throat> I do like I Burlesque. I want to see something that's not on this list, but I can't remember what it was. It was an independent film... And it was... <laughs> I don't remember it, really. Nah. I don't remember. Catfish. Did you tell you about Catfish? Yeah, yeah, I need to... I put that on the Netflix queue. Yeah, put next that on up. the list to go yeah. see Catfish. I got that. It's coming out. Uh, I'll be... It'll probably be... i, I got to send in the DVD I just got from Netflix, and then I'll get Catfish next. So, it'll yeah. be here probably. I'll probably watch it this weekend. Now, they had an interesting thing. There was a movie that came out at, at the Angelica Independent Film Type Place that I wanted to see and I didn't get to see it. So I had it marked down. In fact, I got a poster when I went to the theater that day of that movie. It's called Restrebo, Restrabo, Restrebo. Okay. And I had this poster, so I kept the poster in my room that I'm sitting in right now to remind me to see the movie or the DVD or something. Okay. And do you know what happened? Now, this movie's only been about three months ago that it came out. Okay. National... National Geographic Channel, the NGC, okay. played the movie last night. Or maybe it was night before last. I, I I recorded it on a DVD and played it last night to watch it. Wow. And it's a it's it's a war movie about Afghanistan, but it's actually a documentary where the guy actually goes around with the squad. I mean it was hmm. really good. I, I can't believe anybody had the nerve to go with just a camera to film what these this little 14 man platoon of uh army guys would man it was it was something else wow. and uh i really enjoyed it <clears throat> well i know that uh it was a movie uh i wouldn't say in a similar vein necessarily but at least tangentially related uh albert brooks did a documentary called looking for comedy in a, in the muslim world that's been on cable, but I didn't watch it. I like Albert Brooks. Now, you see, Albert Brooks, to me, is funny. I can't think of... Uh, uh, I mean, he's a great comedic actor, but I really don't think I've ever seen him do stand-up. I don't think he does stand-up. That doesn't mean he's not funny. Well, I think he does, he's because that was the whole point of the documentary, was him going to... Basically, he would go there, and he was like going literally inside of people's tents that lived on the edge of the desert, and he'd go inside their tent and do stand-up for like three people in a tent. He's a trivia question. All right, go for it. I'll probably get it Robert wrong. De Niro, <laughs> Martin Scorsese. Mm -hmm. Scorsese actually in the movie as well as directing it. Okay. Robert De Niro. Okay. Academy Award. Yeah, Taxi Driver. Brooks was in that movie. 
Oh yeah, yeah. He played. Uh, God, who he was one of the politicians, right? Sybil Shepherd was the was one was working his campaign with the politician. Yeah, yeah. And Brooks was kind of trying to make off with her. She he was trying to flirt oh, with her. He was also right, working right. on the campaign. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Now that yeah, I think he, about it, yeah. it was a very weird movie for him to show up in. Well, that's but, the perfect role for him, the straight guy, you know, like the, yeah. you know, straight. He's really good. I, I like I like him. Yeah, I think he's, I, I have no problems with him. Now, let me ask you this question. Okay. Very interesting, hap- a very thing, a very interesting thing happened over the weekend. Okay. In Iran, which is our arch enemy, as you know. Sure. Axis of evil. We're very and we're very cognizant of their nuclear uh, proliferation. They just got visited by the North Koreans that are helping them put together nuclear weapons and blah blah blah. Yeah. Well, the head scientist, the head Iranian scientist, mm-hmm. is driving down the street in his car. The chauffeur's driving, and it's him and another scientist and one of his children. And they get machine gun in Iran. Hmm. The question is, was it Mossad or was it the CIA? Because <laughs> that was an assassination, is what that was. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like it. Well, yeah. I understand oh. that that he, that that Jad, uh got really upset. I think over the weekend about. Some center, I think it was their security center or something, basically their Pentagon, if you will, that yeah. was built by Jewish. Uh, yeah, it got it got wormed. Well, there was a there's a Jewish star on top of the building that Aminajad had never seen before. It's literally oh. on top of the building, giant. We're talking probably a hundred <laughs> feet wide, and he saw it and lost his mind. I don't know if that's related because it might even have been like a science center for all I know. I really don't remember much. I just I saw the picture and it was like he's screaming mad about this, and I was like, oh. All their nuclear stuff got shut down over the weekend as well because there was some kind of worm attack of their computer system, the national computer system. Oh, okay. And that all happened. All this thing with that star and this thing with the assassination of the scientists all happened in like a two-day period. Mm. I think it sounds more CIA than Mossad. Hmm. Frankly, I don't know. Uh, I think that segues nicely into the. Uh, you wanted to talk yes. about uh, go ahead. what I was. Uh, what I was trying to do was segue. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. That was. <laughs> Man, killed your mojo. Is that one, huh? No, no, no. Okay, I mean, okay. I, we wanted to get on the subject. All right. You know, that's not really the subject. No, no, you know. Yeah. Crime and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sneaky crime. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to allow certain questions to be asked of me during this period. Okay, because you're going to you're going to want to ask questions. We were going to talk about bookies and the life of the bookie. Oh, I thought you were. I I thought you were going to segue into uh, what's his name? The scientist. Uh, Assange, uh, Julian. No, no, Assange. Yeah, Julian Assange. No, no, that's a different thing. Oh, that's okay. Th- I kind of want to get to that, and then, and then I want to do the bookie stuff. I was going to close up with that one, but go ahead. We can talk about Assange. I think Assange well, I think, yeah, is being right. haunted by Interpol. All right, so here's the thing. when You the, don't want to be haunted. By the way, you do not what? want to be haunted by Interpol. I, I imagine you don't. Yeah. I mean, they're known for torture and all kind of stuff. Now, the here's French, the, uh, what's, what's interesting is... Uh, 
without getting too political. But what's interesting is not that, political. If okay, you're gonna get, uh, I'm not gonna get political. I won't get political. Uh, okay. uh, not. I don't mean like this is literally socio-political. Like literally not politics in any way. But uh, but anyway, uh, what I thought was interesting is that there was that whole WikiLeaks thing, which he's the founder of, was like, oh, we're gonna release all these documents starting today, and. Uh, and I was looking around, and I was like, you know, I'm going to do some research on this guy because I was just kind of curious what kind of person he was. And I looked up uh, some stuff, and there was uh, – usually I start with Wikipedia because it's a good jumping-off point. It's not yeah. everything on there is fact, but it's good. If, if you want to go like, hey, I'm curious who this person is or what this is all about – that's a good jumping off point, and you can follow the links and see where things go. Well, on the Wikipedia entry, it mentioned um, this this whole rape case thing, and basically how it started about two years ago. Two different things, two different situations, two different cases of uh, sexual assault, uh, sexual battery, things like this, and uh, the the it made it sound like it was a long time ago. And uh, then I looked at the dates of these things, and they were only um, the most recent activity on the case was probably six months ago or four months ago, something like that. Not that long ago at all. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. And uh, it sort of occurred to me, you know, just in the back of my head, I said, I wonder, I wonder if he's trying to pull attention away from that by doing this WikiLeaks thing, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, Interpol's after this guy. And he's calling it a smear campaign, and I'm like, I don't. I think that if you paint it the way that WikiLeaks and then Interpol came after him, it would sound like a smear campaign. But if yeah. you take the facts, is that this has been going on for two years? It actually yeah. seems the complete polar opposite. It seems like he knew the heat was on him, and decided to throw out that WikiLeaks thing, uh, and then he could go, oh, it's a smear campaign. That's well, what it seems like to me. The thing that's interesting to me about it is nobody knows where he is. That's right. what's weird to me. And I will say I I I'm in favor of WikiLeaks generally speaking, but the I way they're making these. That. Do you like that or no? I, I generally speaking, I think it's good, but I think that uh, these particular documents, at least the way that they're framing them, do give me pause. And uh, if I can get all American for a moment. Um, they give me pause because the way that it's phrased, and certainly not the way that the documents were released, um, most people I'm reading are like, yeah, they're really no big deal. They, they don't mean anything. They're just like, they're silly. And I'm talking conservative or liberal blogs. Everyone's kind of like, big whoop. So the government, like, lies occasionally to, you know, foreign leaders to get them to do stuff. Nobody cares, you know. Even the Secretary yeah. of Defense even said that. He was like, yeah, they're not dealing with the U.S. because they trust us, but they need us. Like, they know, you know. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. oh. So that was a, you know. But what concerned me is I was like, well, the way that they phrased it did give me pause because it goes all the way to, like, February of this year. And I'm like, now, if you're releasing actual confidential documents that could very well have current-day implications for national security, uh, that's not cool. That ain't cool at all. It's the sort of thing where I was always disturbed when the news would talk about some, you know, over, like, convert, covert, rather, uh, operation that the U.S. was engaging in. I'm like, you should probably keep that a secret, guys. Don't tell me about it. I don't need to know, and somebody who wants to know that he might be listening. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm just wondering if there's going to be any linkage between the killing of the scientists and the and the and the information that's on the WikiLeaks. I, I feel like no. You know, it's I, I'm in, I'm enthralled by the CIA bumping off a scientist in the middle of Iran. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's pretty strong right there. I feel like, Plus, I no, feel like we don't know that it's the, we don't know that it's the CIA, but that's who I think it is. Yeah, I mean that's it's a fair assumption. I just I don't think that there's any link between those two things. I think uh, because he's talked the the WikiLeaks site has been talking about this particular set of documents for probably a year now, um, and I feel like it was timed. You know what I mean? Like the heat came on, and he was like, "Perfect, now I can put this out and then call it a smear campaign." And uh, where I say, yeah, like, that, you know, that, it makes sense that it would be more tied to the Interpol problem. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah, say that's, that's what true. it seems like to me, and especially the it holds more weight in my head in that all these different both sides of the political spectrum are like big whoop. And this guy was like, "Yeah, I got you. I got the secret stuff." And everybody's like, "Dude, there's nothing here that's worth even looking at. Like, this is this is like fluff. He's like eight hundred thousand yeah. pages of crap. Like, you know, whoever <laughs> whoever you know got this out was probably on his way to the shredder because they didn't need it anymore, and was like, "Oh, it's secret," you know. And I mean, that's what it feels like. And I'm like, but it's it's unfortunately everywhere I'm reading about Julian being on the you know, run from Interpol, everybody's like, "Well, is this a smear campaign, or did he do it?" And I feel like, yeah. really, if you're framing it the other way, in that he, if you look at it like he released the WikiLeaks documents because they were after him, it's an, it's 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 almost like an open and shut case. Uh, yeah, where that comes to the socio political side of it. Is is not like government political, but social political. Is in in uh, in a lot of like I, I you know I study feminism stuff and and they call uh, they have this phrase they use called rape culture, and they say that we live generally in a rape culture, and that if you look at rape cases, um, it's so odd to me that in all the cases, always like, well, did the guy do it? And it's, you know, what did she say and what were the conditions of the thing and all this different stuff. Whereas if you've talked to um, rape victims, uh, they very rarely come forth because they know they're going to be shamed in court. It's going to, oh, we're going to look through your whole sexual history. And, you know, if you had sex with 10 guys in a year, then, you know, maybe you're a slut. And so you were asking for it. And, you know, now you want money. And that's the way that they, a lot of people like to frame it. When they're, when there's rape cases, it's always this guy trying to smear the girl and the girl just trying to get some justice. Um, and, and that, and that is the reason why the police claim that, there's a lot of rapes of women that are somewhat promiscuous, including prostitutes. Yeah. But, in other words, a woman that's sexually active, particularly a single woman that's sexually active, with different partners, the chances are she's probably not going to want to go through that in court if she gets raped. And I think the rapist people know that, you know. It's yeah. like they know who to rape type of thing. Well, it's the uh, the most common case, the most common type of like some 90% or more of rape cases, uh, and it's an unfortunate term, is called date rape. 
um, which would just basically it's where there was a date going on or a meeting up or something where they started out as casual like oh let's get some coffee or whatever and then the girl ends up getting raped it's not very common um, relatively speaking that a woman's literally just walking along the street and a rapist jumps out and rapes her in the street or whatever uh, most of the time, yeah. it's it's a situation where it's behind closed doors, and they sort of knew each other, uh, or it's a date kind of situation. And it's fair to say, and uh, I would imagine that's harder to prove too, much harder to prove. And I, I think it's fair to say that a girl who's you know a virgin, you know, total or, or maybe just doesn't really ever have sex, doesn't go out with guys, things like that. Um, won't be in that situation. I, I I hesitate to say wouldn't put herself in that situation because that sounds like blaming the victim, and I, I don't like to do that at all. Um, no, <laughs> but I literally just mean, um, you know, yeah, if you're a girl, you're like, I want to meet guys. You know what I mean? I like, ha-, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I think that's, you know, slut shaming is terrible. Uh, if she's like, I, I like to meet men. You know, I'd like to go out on a date. This guy seems nice. I'm going to go on a date with him. Uh, I feel that's a girl who who's you know confident who's who's done that sort of thing before, and I uh, yeah in that regard you, your point definitely makes sense, and I I wouldn't you know uh, argue that. But where I take issue is that you know they estimate uh, something like sixty percent of rape cases are never reported. Um, I would imagine that's true. I mean, it's got to be. Uh, I mean, for all it's the got to be pretty court. tough to go through that kind of thing. I know I had a friend in uh, Phoenix whose wife was raped in a uh, office building parking lot Oof. late at night God. and um, I know that was you know it affected their whole lives drastically oh yeah yeah <clears throat> it was terrible and now what, let me let that, me mention a financial thing today oh real, real quick I said uh, ending on this note was what I was going to say is what what's interesting is that Less than it's something less than one percent. It might even be less than point one percent, but it's something like less than one percent of actual rape cases that go to trial turn out to be false accusations. And where that bothers me is like in any situation where something happens less than one percent of the time, they usually call that a statistical anomaly, and it's almost not worth counting. And so it's odd to me that the entirety of of rape cases are pretty much framed around that less than 1%. That's all I'm saying. Or or the way that the media strikes it, especially when it's like an athlete, a Kobe Bryant, a Mike Tyson, they, they it's like, yeah. oh, well, she's lying and she just wants money and it's stuff like this. And it's like, this woman's life is being upended. They're looking through her entire sexual history. It's all over the news, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think anybody wants that for the rest of their life to be pinned with over money and moreover, they're not even suing. They're taking the guy to court. Which is an entire, you know what I mean? It's it's a very strange thing. And again, less than one percent turn out to be uh, false accusations. So it's you know anyway. So uh, I think that's the case with so this they Julian do, guy. So they do they do a pretty good job of prosecuting it then in that case. I would say yeah, probably statistically against anything yeah. else. I would say that probably yeah uh, yeah that's fair to say. All right, go on with your financial thing. Okay, what I was going to say is today, this morning, first thing in the morning, the stock market opens at. 8.30 Central. <clears throat> um, so that, that's about when I'm getting ready to do a little work. But anyway, this morning, some labor statistics came out as well as some economical international 
statistics. We get we added ninety three thousand jobs nationwide in August. Nice. The Chinese are actually showing a upgrade in their growth rate and manufacturing has been increasing now in the US for the last eight months in a row. Good news all around so far. Okay. That good news <laughs> made the stock market jump up like two hundred and fifty points today. Wow. So today was the day to be there. Now here's the other stat I want to mention. Today is December the first. Mm-hmm. Historically, since 1945, which is a long time ago, to today, the best month to own stocks, to buy stocks, has been December. Of course. Just thought I'd mention that. People are in a good mood in December, so they buy stock. So, uh, And the more they're buying, the higher the price will go. And if you're buying stock or you're holding stock, it's going to probably make money in the month of December. And then when you have a day like today to start off the month, that's kind of a a beautiful thing to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's I, all I got uh, on that's they go with the Black I, Friday thing. You know, they say that the reason is because that's where, where retailers' ledgers go from red to black is in December. And if, they hope. You know, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, generally speaking, if you're in any kind of retail or you sell products, you, you can pretty much, even if you've had a crap year, you can pretty much bet your best well, sales ever are going to be in this well, month. Well, their whole retail's whole life is December. Right. I mean, they they look, they, they plan their entire year's budget around December. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, do you want to go to uh, science or... Yeah, I'm curious what this science life topic... Life of the bookie. Uh, I'm curious about the science topic, the then let's talk about this book. Closer, is that what we're doing here? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I I, uh, I do have another show to go to tonight, but um, it's a ways off, so we're okay. Oh, well, let's do the bookie now, then, in case we get rushed. Oh, no, we're not. We're, we're fine. Yeah, let's do the bookie. Yeah, right. Well, I was, uh, real quick, I do want to say I went to... Uh, because uh, I'm actually curious about on your side of things, concert wise. Um, last night I saw my favorite band of all time, uh, Faith No More, is the name of the band. Um, you bought me their cassette tape when I came out to visit you once. In fact, um, wow! Yeah, that's how long I've been I, a fan. How did I know to get that? Uh, must have I think been told- I, may, I may have asked you. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. So you went to see them in person? Yeah, I, I've seen them three times in Phoenix. They haven't played in 15 years. They broke up about 12, 13 years ago. Like, did you have anything no. like that when you were younger? Did you go to concerts and things like that? Did you bring big groups of friends and well, see the doors no. or anything? The answer would be no. But uh, the memorable people I've seen perform are people like Frank Sinatra and The Doors and Elvis. You've seen The Doors perform? Absolutely. Wow. wow. In fact, I saw the doors in a very strange place. Do tell. It was in Illinois. Wow. Outside of uh, Chicago. Anyway, well, I think what? one of the guys, <laughs> Densmore, one of them, I think, was from there or something. Well, today's, but, Dins- but, today's Densmore's birthday, in fact. 
I mean, you know, you can tell me about the show. I mean, what was that like for you? I mean, we, you didn't have like a big group of friends. You just were stopping through Illinois and said, "Hey, I'll see the door." Just had, you know, females. That's about it. <laughs> but uh, I no, mean, you're it's a huge Doors fan. Long. I assume that would have been like, "Oh my God, what an amazing show!" and all that. Or with, you know, I don't know. I just never was. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just never was uh, like a groupy person like that. Okay. All right. I mean, I go crazy when I see when I see Frank Sinatra back when he was alive. But I mean, you know, I haven't seen him. I saw him twice with your mom, in fact, yeah. and twice before that. So, mm-hmm. you know, seeing him with with Jilly Rizzo and that group of guys at his bodyguards and all that. I mean, it's fun. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> Okay. So that's where that is. <laughs> just, now, it's fascinating uh, to me that you you love all arts and stuff like this, and we get on the concerts, and you've seen some of the greatest musicians of all time, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> saw them. Well, I'm just not. Uh, it's not a. Uh, it's a different experience than what concerts are now. I would imagine. I mean, uh, that's all I can think of. Um, I, well, I even took uh, took uh, my daughter Sheila when she was a young girl with her friends. We went to see. The Osmonds oh, concert. If that's exciting, I mean, no, yeah. not at all, not at all. Okay, not well, I mean, that's all what right. I'm saying. All right, go on with the science a, thing then. <laughs> it was a teeny bopper thing, you know? Yeah, no, I know. That's why it was like, ugh. I don't know whether we want to get into the science thing because it ends up, you know, you lot us sitting asking all kind of questions. Right. You know, we don't even need to do the bookie thing. Well, I'm painfully curious when I told people, like, my dad wants to talk about bookies next well, if week. If you want to do the bookie thing, I'm suggesting we do it right now. All right. Let me, let me, let me refill it, my glass and let's get into the bookie thing. And you can, I'll, I'll can hear you that in the kitchen. Want yeah. to, or we can do All right. So Whatever I can else hear you want to do. I'm just refilling my drink. I do want to talk about that. All right. Well, what do you want me to do? I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, you could probably tell your science news or something. <laughs> I'm using anecdote. I mean, I can I can edit this out if you need. Well, I'm trying to think of who else we saw besides Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett. I saw Tony Bennett. Blood, sweat, and tears. I saw them. Say so you saw blood, sweat, and tears. Absolutely. Wow. Clayton Thomas. He's a singer now. He can sing, that guy. Yeah. All right, ask me a question. Let's just go with you asking me questions. Okay, about the bookie thing. Um, well, because you had explained to me basically how it works. Now, don't go in a long diatribe, please. I'm not. Just, no, I'm not. I'm just saying, like, I'm trying to think. Like the longest diatribe person in the world. <laughs> I'm trying not. I feel you like I'm getting better. Absolute world's champion. There is nobody mm-hmm. in your group. You win the trophy. The awards, and you get to take mm. home the woman of the night or whatever. You win. So go ahead. Like diatribes. There's no diatribe. <laughs> I just, I'm literally just trying to think of because you told diatribe, me before. That's all. I think you just did about the concert. That was a diatribe. <laughs> that was mostly for the listeners. And for, the thing about the rape thing. I mean, that, you know, that's, that's, that's a diatribe. You don't, you don't think that? Like, okay, I'll put it this way. When I listen to podcasts, people do these little, you know, things where they talk about yeah, some subject listen. that they know, and I'm like, oh, this is fascinating. I don't listen to them, so I okay, don't know. Well, that's See, what I'm, I, that's I'm, where I'm, I'm going with wrong. Okay. I'm not being critical. Yeah, you are. Can okay. I tell you something? Maybe I can just go into something yeah, like yeah. Well, I'm curious why you wanted to talk about the bookie thing. Did something happen recently? Uh, oh, 
Okay, go ahead. No, it's just that I know there's a... Uh, well, what happened recently is I've had other people that I know listen to the podcast, and, you know, they have this curiosity about me as well. So, let's just talk about bookies in general, and then, you know, if there's questions that I, you know, okay. can answer. Okay. <clears throat> Generally speaking, the bookie business is no longer the bookie business today. We're not talking about today. We're talking sure. about years ago. It's gone legit now. Well, yeah, sort of. But, I mean, it's still against the law, but it is it is on the Internet. You can bet on the Internet with a credit card and all of that. But it is it is still illegal uh, to bet on uh, anything outside of a casino. What I might mention is, is that the bookie business was just that, an actual business. I mean, it was, you know, run by Italians mainly. In fact, the lottery that we play now was started by Italians. As it was called the numbers game or the policy. And and that was a deal where a guy went around in a neighborhood and he sold you tickets. You could buy one for 50 cents if you wanted. And uh, you pick three numbers. And if your three numbers come up, you win. For 50 cents, you could win $10. Which is 200 to 1, by the way. Mm-hmm. However, the odds of you picking the three numbers are 1,000 to 1. Still a lot better so, than they are today. <laughs> absolutely better. Yeah. So that's what the bookie business is about. It's about the juice, the vigor, as they call it, which mm-hmm. is the profit you make by setting odds at a point where you can't lose. Um, how is it that you can't lose? Well, if I if I give you odds, if I know that I'm going to make that the the odds on you picking three numbers is a thousand to one, mm-hmm. and I'm going to pay you two hundred to one, mm-hmm. I can't lose. I might lose to you individually. Oh, I see. But I can't lose because by the time I sell whatever I'm going to sell in the, in the way of three ticket numbers, uh. The chances of anybody winning is not real good. That's true. That's true. You see what I mean? Yeah. And if a thousand so, people do it, you still came out of eight hundred bucks ahead. Exactly. Yeah, you can't lose. Right. Okay. The numbers game is like that. <clears throat> well, a, a well-run bookie operation where you're betting on sports games or horse racing and football and all that, basketball, baseball. That's the same thing in that there's a vigor or a juice number, you're betting $11 to win 10 If the bookie runs his business correctly, he balances his book between the two teams that are playing so that the exact same amount of money is bet on each team, and he makes the 10% vigorous. Now, let me explain that a little better. Okay. I'm a little confused. Uh, okay. <clears throat> let's talk about New Orleans, uh, being that would be my most... Uh, where I would have the most knowledge. Okay. The Costa Nostra ran the bookie business completely, as well as open gambling in Jefferson Parish, which is a parish adjoining Orleans Parish in New Orleans. And during the 40s and 50s, uh, even even further back than that, but I, I wouldn't remember anything before the 50s, obviously, 
they still had casinos operating in Jefferson Parish illegally because all the politicians were on the take. Uh, almost any barroom, which there was one on just about every corner, maybe two on most corners in New Orleans, even today, but almost any barroom back in those days would be a place where you could do some bookie betting or betting with a bookie. Uh, the barroom was more or less forced to take your bet or collect your money or pay you off, depending on whether you won or lost, because uh, he had to. He was told that that's where business would take place, and he just went along with it. But generally... If you got two teams playing, like you got the Cowboys playing the Saints, okay. and the line, as they call it on the game, let's say is seven points, saying that the Saints are seven points better than the Cowboys. Like that's, that's, what, that's well, seven, like a uh, touchdown, like that. That's what you mean touchdown and like, extra point. Yeah, right, right. Like the seven. you mean points in the game, not like a points percentage point. Okay, exactly. just making sure we got that. Okay. Yeah. So, so what that's saying is, is that. The Saints, the bookie is saying that the Saints should beat the Cowboys by seven points. Okay. Okay? Now, if you disagree with that or you're a Cowboy fan, you think the Cowboys are even going to win the game, then you're going to take that bet because the bookie is going to give you the seven points to add to your score. In other words, if you score 20 points and the, Cow- and the Saints score 22 points, the Saints win the game, but you win the bet. Right, yes. Because you had the 20 points that the Cowboys scored plus the seven the bookie gave you. Uh, well, real quick, I thought that was called a spread. Am I what wrong is, on that? No, that's the spread. Oh, okay. Well, you said the line. Yeah, the spread is the is the, the line and the spread is the okay. same. Just making sure we're on the same. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, yeah, that's the spread. And, and so that's how you either win or lose. You, you If you bet on the Cowboys, you take the seven points you're saying that you don't think the Saints can win by seven points. Okay. Or, or. And if they don't win by seven points, you're going to win the bet. Or if the Cowboys win without any points, obviously, you win the bet there, too. So let's say you bet $1,000. Well, what you're really betting is $1,100, because if you lose, you're going to owe 10% vigorous, as we call it, juice, whatever you want to call it. Commission. <laughs> you're going to pay $1,100 to the bookie if you lose a $1,000 bet. Okay. If you win, you win $1,000, plus your money back, of course. Right. Now, the reason that the bookie business was so lucrative for so long and the reason it was so popular is it was done totally on credit. In other words, if you go to Vegas today to the big books like uh, Caesar's Palace, which is one of the bigger ones, when you bet, you put money up front. If you bet on that Cowboy Saints game and you want to bet on the Cowboys a thousand dollars, you're going to give the guy eleven hundred dollars. Okay. Okay. And that's just the way it is. You pay up front. When you bet with a bookie at the neighborhood bar or wherever, there's no money exchanged until after the game. Okay. So now you see the first stage of the bookie business. Because now the bookie has a responsibility to kind of know who it is he's 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 taking bets from 
because he wants to be able to collect if the guy loses. Right. Okay? Right. Now, that's what makes that whole business is the collection part. Because he needs what's called a bag man, which is the guy that goes around and picks up the money or brings the money for the winnings or and picks up the losings. All right. Then you need what we would call a collector, which would be if the guy doesn't pay the loan back through the place where he placed it, the collector has to go out and try to collect it from him at his house or his work or wherever. Okay. Then you got the muscle. Now, the muscle is when things get really bad. The guy can't pay or he won't pay or he makes, you know, it looks like he's not going to pay. So you get somebody that goes in there and, you know, roughs him up some, beats up his TV or whatever he's going to do. Sure. You hear that, you know, the old stories that break the kneecaps. Yeah, break the kneecaps. Yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. Well, I don't know whether that's a good thing. Knocking the teeth out and breaking the TV is probably worse than the kneecaps in my opinion. Anyway, <laughs> okay. I don't. I I fail to see how the logic works on that. <laughs> well, the logic for one thing is the bookie never wants to be known as somebody you don't have to pay because he's not going to do anything if you don't pay. Right. So you have to have the reputation that you're in deep trouble if you don't pay this guy. Now let's say that you honestly can't pay him. You owe him $1,000, $1,100, and you just can't pay. You don't have any money. Okay. Okay? So you tell a guy, you know, that you might have a little problem. You know, he might cut your tires up or something. Anyway, some of you might have a little bit of a problem, but it's not anything where you're going to have to go to the hospital. Because you're coming out in front and telling the guy, look, I shouldn't have made this bet. I was stupid. I don't have enough money to pay you. I can't pay you. Mm-hmm. Well, the good book is going to say to you, well, how much do you have? Well, I got $50. Okay, I'll take the $50 as interest on the 1100 In yeah. other words, you still owe the 1100 Okay? Sure. Now, he might set up a payment plan with you where he'll say, okay, I'm going to charge you two points a week. Two points would be two percentage points. Sure. On a thousand dollars, that's twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. And that's interest. It doesn't do anything to the eleven hundred. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Every week, I'm going to come by and get the twenty bucks. If you don't have the twenty bucks, then the real major problem is going to happen. Okay. I mean, you're in, you're in, you're in, going to be in deep, deep problem. Most of the time, the guy will pay the, the interest because he wants to be able to keep betting. Yeah, yeah. See what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so that's basically what I'm telling you is that's kind of like the bookie's business. Now, this is not the bookie that owns all the money and everything. This is the little street bookie guy that's picking up the money. You know, he might be a teenager, you know, just somebody that's... Well, now, here's the thing that I'm immediately confused by. Um, okay. If you got the, the muscle who I assume goes with the collector, or sometimes is the collector. Um, yeah. And then you got the, the, the bag man who's collecting yeah. the money physically. Yeah. Uh, I assume, based on the movie Casino, 
that the bookie is like the super intelligent numbers guy who knows how to run the numbers to make the odds for the bet. If not, the bookie's like useless, it sounds like. Well, here's what's happening. The actual line that they use is pretty easy to get because it comes out of Vegas. It's publicly published. So the bookie himself may not be this genius guy like you saw in Casino. Right. He could be just a guy that knows the line from Vegas. Oh, I I, I was yeah. thinking like old it, school. Even old school it was like that? No, I think old school if you went back into the 20s and 30s or something. Oh, uh, I think if you like went 50s. that far back, then you'd have to be dealing with, you know, the guy would have to know how to do the line himself, mm, right. or he could pay what's called a wire service back in those days. Mm. Uh, a wire service would uh, give the line, but you had to pay to get that line. Sure. Okay, so that that's, that's what it was. Uh, during the time I'm talking about, it, it became easier to get the line. Of course, today you can look at it in the, in the morning paper. It's got the line from Vegas. So then so, the immediate question comes to mind, why don't the muscle and the grab bag, the grab man just do the job themselves? Why use a bookie? Why don't those two go? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I don't know well, if that's a valid question. but There's a couple of, there's a couple of things going on there. One is you got to realize this is an organization. And... They don't like competition. Okay? Okay. So, in New Orleans, it was all run by one organization. And if there was ever anybody that was tapping into their profits in any way, they would just, you know, make sure that that person didn't do that anymore type of thing. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Tips so, mildly. Yeah, so that's kind of the way, that's kind of the way it would work. Now, in a big, giant city like a New York, you didn't have one organization. You know, you had like maybe eight big mm -hmm. organizations running the different operations. But <clears throat> somewhere like a New Orleans or Miami or somewhere like that, you just had one organization running the running the show there. Yeah. So these people that are doing the collecting and the and the and the uh, the bag man and the and the and the muscle and all that and you're right. Oftentimes that's the same person. Yeah, I assume okay. that. <laughs> but see, it's like what they could do is they could take a guy that needs to make a living, mm -hmm. that doesn't have a job, but he's kind of known by the family. Let's say. Yeah. You know, a guy like me. Sure. <laughs> sure. And, and he could say, "Okay, you want to make an extra two hundred bucks a week." You know, all you got to do is go to these places and pick up the money and bring it back here. Okay. Okay. Well, what they're really doing is they're they're sort of grading you to whether you're going to move to the next step. Okay. Because at some point, that little guy that might start up just picking up the money becomes a key player because he will get to the point where he's kind of running his own little team. Okay. Of people, in other words, he could be, uh, as they would call him, a capo, right? And he would have his own crew. Mm -hmm. But the money that flows through him flows up. Okay, if you've ever seen yeah, the Sopranos, sure. the Sopranos do that very well. They <laughs> they, they show you that 
Michael, giving the money to to uh, Polly, Polly giving the money to Tony. Right. So that's kind of the way it works, you know. Polly's a capo. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I caught that much. Okay. Because he's then, got several different guys like Michael. Exactly. He's got several crews working. Right. Right. And uh, so that's kind of what that is. It's kind of a business thing, you know. It's got the assistant managers or whatever you want to call them, and uh, they all got their little jobs to do. Now it ends up being a very serious thing because these people that are, that are running a crew of people, they have a certain quota. Again, in The Sopranos, they do a very good job of showing you that. I mean, it's yeah, like yeah. Paulie tells Michael at one point. You know, I need $10,000 every Friday or Thursday or whatever the day is. Right, right. So Michael knows that's how much he's got to make before he gets anything. Right. So, in fact, at one point in there, he doesn't have that much. Right in the beginning, when he first gets on the on the dole there, he doesn't have enough to give to give uh, Paulie his share so he goes and robs a uh, school concert, if you remember. They had a like a thing in a gymnasium. Okay. I actually don't remember that, and but we'll go with that. That was a dance or something, you know, like a high school dance or sure. a college dance. Sure, sure. And they went and robbed the, uh, he and his crew went in there and robbed the uh, ticket office. Okay. So that he could have enough money to pay Paulie. So it's a, it's, that's what it's like. It's like... Um, it's a business, but it's all about the vigorish. You know, i got to get my piece of the action, and once you give me my piece, I'm happy, and you get your piece. And they stay in line. For instance, that Michael guy stays in line because he doesn't want to piss off Polly. Polly, uh, and and he wouldn't he wouldn't be able to go to Tony and say, "Look, you don't need Polly for this," because then no. he would just get taken out. I guess what uh, I'm thinking is like. Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I guess probably it's the same thing as a corporation and middle management. I guess if you're the if you're the head of everything, if you're the the guy that watches the capos, that watches the collectors slash muscle, uh, I guess you probably don't want to day to day have to deal with all these you know five hundred guys that are muscle. You want to deal with ten oh. guys that are capos that each have five dudes. Is that oh, basically absolutely. the right idea? Okay. In fact, the head guy, most people don't even have never even met the guy. Most of the people that are working in the in the in the group there, right? They've never even met the the main guy. They never shook hands with him. They don't even know him. Yeah, yeah. They know who he is, but they don't. They don't. They have no relationship with him in any way. Right, right. So then, so, at some point, maybe one of the muscle guys who's earning, you know, he's a good earner for for a long time. Yeah. Then he moves up from there, or he pretty much stays muscle because they think he's too dumb, or how's that? Is that you, you well? Think it, it does. It does have all those factors in there. I mean, oh, okay. If the guy is kind of a loose cannon, or he, you know, he can't be, you know, he's going to make bad decisions, bad decisions, or he doesn't, you know, he's just not too sharp. Mm -hmm. He begins. He becomes a guy that just does one thing. Like uh, what's the guy? I can't think of the name of the guy. The one that ended up marrying Tony's sister. Uh, big old guy, huge guy. Uh, well, that's what that's what he was. He he used to have him babysit uh, the uh, uh, Uncle Junior. He his oh, job. Right, was, right, yeah, yeah. His Bobby. Job, huh? Bobby. 
Yeah, Bobby. Yeah, okay, yeah. Bobby's whole job was to take care of Junior. Right, right. Okay, I mean, that's what he, that, that was what Tony passed that job to him. Right, I remember that. And yeah. at the same time, he was also muscle. Yeah. If they needed him to get somebody out of the way or beat somebody up or pass, one of the best scenes was the one where he, where he is trying to get a union vote. So he finds the head of the union and he waits till he gets him in a bar room and then he goes up and he's talking to him in the bar room. This is Bobby. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the guy doesn't know who he is. They just start up a conversation. And he just says, by the way, uh, this vote that's coming up, uh, I wanted to make sure that you know that uh, friends of mine are interested in that vote getting turned down or whatever it was, whether it was up or down, I don't remember. Right, right sure. And then the guy gets all uppity, you know, like, oh, well, you can't tell me what to do, da, da, da. He says, well, believe me, this guy's serious about this, and uh, we wouldn't want to have any problems, you know. You wouldn't want to have any problems in your life, you know. Yeah, they always say, you don't, want, you don't make trouble. No, you don't want any problems. <laughs> so, anyway, it, it's, it, once that operation gets rolling like that, there's money, there's so much money that, you know, they're paying off the police. Mm-hmm. You know, they're paying off... Uh, I mean, everybody's getting a little piece of that vigorish. Sure. And it's a business. I mean, you got the numbers game. You got the, the bookie guy running around taking the bets. Right. You got the guy making the loans like of somebody... Like, for instance, um, if you're working in a certain area, like a territory, and you're, and you're one of these... Uh, capos are, are part of a crew and, and, and you're looking for more gamblers Right. one of the key things you could do would be to get a guy that owns a business he owns a bar room he owns a air conditioning contract a plumber or something right collateral yeah. collateral yeah because that guy for one thing he's apt to bet to bet more which is you know the more they bet the better because they're going to lose more the more they bet Sure, sure. And then, you know, you're going to be able to jump in there and, and, and uh, get a piece of his business, you know. Right, right. So that's kind of a actually a specialty aspect to this. There's people probably in the organization that specialize in that, which would be considered like, uh, what would be the term, um, uh, loan sharking. Okay, okay, right. Basically, loan sharking is only in large amounts of money. You're not going to do it for, you know, 500 bucks or something. Right, right. 500 bucks, you're just going to do the, the deal where he pays the interest. Sure, sure. You know, but... Uh, well, now, I, I had told a friend of mine, I said, you know, from, from you know the conversations I've had with you and various research and everything else like that uh, that I've done... I said, it seems to me, if not directly related, certainly greatly inspired by the entire credit industry is is the mob. In so far as uh, you know, vouching for somebody is cosigner. You don't ever cosign for anybody, just like you wouldn't vouch for any. You know, like if you vouch for somebody that, in in that mob situation, if you vouch, you that's mean, your yeah. ass, right? Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that there's a 
the whole banking industry can be traced back to, you know, the Cosa Nostra's ideas of right, right, running business and collecting money and loaning money and all of that. I mean, they were doing that long before they were bankers. Now, but what I am right in thinking that, like, as far as I know, when you vouch for somebody, that's it's your ass. I mean, it's you don't you don't vouch for some guy you just met. It's like a co-signer, because you know that they'll yeah. come after you if you vouch. Well, it's for instance, you know, think about how would they get a new customer. You know, like a right. guy's in a bar somewhere, and, you know, he, he's talking to the bartender, and he might say something like, hey, do you know any place where I might be at a place of bet? Well, the bartender's first going to think, well, I wonder whether this guy's a cop. Right, right. You know. Sure. So uh, he's going to be kind of, well, I, you know, I don't know anything about that. So they, they might get... He might pass on, you know, he might say, well, what's your name? You know, to the D. Right. What's right. your phone number or whatever? Right. And uh, then he might pass that on to somebody in a crew, and the crew guy will check him out, you know. Right, right. Now, that would be one way to get a new customer. The other way, and the best way, is the way you were just saying, which would be considered a referral, where somebody who's already betting, that's a customer, you know, and he says, look, you know, one of my classmates or one of my <clears throat> brothers or my guy down at work, he would like to place a bet now and then. Yeah. Well, you're, you're kind of vouching for that guy. Right. You know, right. As far as the crew guy goes, I mean, you're saying that this guy's okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, yeah. I, what I'm... Uh, That's an important thing. I mean, to do absolutely. that... Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's a very important thing. Well, I think it's funny because I, you know, when I vouch for people, I'll even say, like, now I'm going to vouch for you on this. That's a huge deal to me. Like, I don't I don't vouch for strangers, you know what I mean? When I vouch for yeah. somebody in a business, whether it's an employee that, you know, I'm in a job and whatever, or, you know, and I'm doing web design for, for uh, adult sites and they need a new model... You know, I'm only going to give them people that I know will show up for the job, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll say, like, look, I'm vouching for you, and and you might like this. this is a, I'll even say, like, that's a huge deal in the Italian world. <laughs> I was like, I'm vouching. This is don't <laughs> let me down. Don't yeah. screw me over because that will be the last time I ever vouch yeah, again. Right. And I've had, you know, uh, one, of, one of my closest clients, a really good friend of mine, uh, I vouched for a girl who's now a, a major, like, international porn star. Uh, but I vouched that this girl that I knew, I was like, she's a good model. She shows up to all her shoots on time. I talked to her. I told her, you know, this is the deal. I'm going to put her in contact with you. I've, and she's like, she's good. You'd vouch for her? I said, absolutely, I'll vouch for her. That girl didn't make the shoot. Um, to this day, four years later, wow. four years on, and now that girl, by the way, is a huge international star. Um, but my client... To this day, will not take recommendations from me on models. No matter what I say, she's like, "No, never again." <laughs> and you know I that's because it's a huge deal, and I it pisses blame. me off when people don't take vouching seriously for that reason. Now, <laughs> now, uh, one of the other betting formats that's used kind of as a trainee thing. In other words, if somebody. You know, is picking up some money for you when you kind of running errands and things, okay. and you want to give him a little more responsibility. You would do what's called parlay cards. Okay. This is a card uh, made out of card stock. It's perforated in the middle. Okay. One side of the card, uh, both sides of the cards have football games, and next to the football games 
is the line on that game, or the spread as you call it. And what you do is you tear the card in half. Each side is exactly the same, okay? You take, you tear it down to perforation, and you give it to the guy that wants to play the parlay game. And what he has to do is he has to pick at least three games. Okay. Can't bet on one game. He's got to pick at least three. He can pick up to all of them. All twenty. There's twenty games on there. He can pick all twenty if he wants. But whatever he picks has to win. He can't like be two wins and one loss or something like that. If he picks three games, all three have to win. Okay. You can't win in parlay. Uh, there's no way. <laughs> Sounds like it. No. <laughs> right off the bat, I was like, how but, the hell would anybody do that? It's the kind of thing like you would do with somebody that works at a big work and at a big place with a lot of employees. You know, like a blue collar type job. And you tell a guy, look, I got these parlay cards, hand them out, you know, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you a commission on how many cards I get back. Now, the good thing about the parlay cards is they turn the card back into you, which got their picks on it, and they give you the money up front. Okay. Which is, you know, like a dollar or two dollars or ten dollars. Ten dollars would be a lot in a parlay card. Okay. But, uh, so you don't ever have to worry about collection sure. on a parlay card. But that's kind of like a training thing. That's that's kind of uh, something they would give a guy, a young guy, just kind of start, and they would give him a, a route to run parlay cards. And depending on how aggressive he was and how many parlay cards he was able to get out, how much money he would bring in with the parlay cards, then they might let him move into the... The other stuff, you know, all the it other... It shows he knows gamblers and how to talk to them and suss them out. Yeah, and he can handle the, the money, you know. He's sure. Got the right amount of money every time. He doesn't miscount it or anything, you know, all that stuff. Makes sense, sure. So, uh, if you think about it as a business that's run sort of... The only person getting hurt in this is the person that's the gambler. Yeah, yeah. And you know, again, same with credit gonna, cards. <laughs> the people are to gamble, you know. Yeah, they, yeah. they, they want to gamble, so you're gonna you're gonna have them gambling. Yeah, and that's why they have those huge monstrosities of buildings in Vegas. Of course, yeah. As as Joe Pesci all, says in uh, Casino, what do you think we're doing out here in the desert? <laughs> well, what you, what you got to think about when you go drive down the strip, and now it's just awesome with the buildings and. I mean, they're huge now. Yeah, yeah. What you got to think about is that's all losers' money. Yep. Every single dime of it. It's amazing. But anyway, so that's basically it with the bookies. Now, speaking on a personal basis, I can tell you this. All right. All the people that I knew growing up and, you know, all those people... I had plenty enough opportunity if I needed extra money, or just money in general. Because <laughs> all money is extra. <laughs> to take, yeah, to take part in you know whatever whatever level of that I would want to take part in. Now, when I moved to Phoenix, I already knew the guys in Phoenix that did this business. Okay. And. Uh, you know, I used to play golf with them all the time, and we got to be friends and all of that stuff. And in fact, I still visit them when I go to Phoenix. Some of them. Sure. 
And uh, in my lifetime, with the bouncing around I've done, that uh, I've had periods where, you know, I was having financial problems and needed to be able to make an extra four or five thousand dollars next month or whatever. Right, right. And it was always nice to be in a situation where I could do that if I needed to do it. You know, right, right. Make that money. So that's that's about as far as I can go on that. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's that's fair. I've never killed anybody or anything like that. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not suggesting that. No, <laughs> I wouldn't ask because it's uh, you know. No, I mean, well, statute of limitations, and I'll even say you know. Oh uh, no, there's no statute of limitations <laughs> on killing anybody. Exactly. Ergo, uh, I wouldn't ask because uh, it is that nobody would ever say that out loud. No. Statute of limitations is uh, yeah forever unless they were unless they were there killing with you and nobody has to know. yeah <laughs> I know yeah, yeah. <laughs> well actually uh, the killing thing you know that they portray so much in the movies and all that 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 part of it is not something that happens on a daily basis I mean that's not a that has to be some kind of personal thing you know it's it's like a some sort of personal problem that the guy's having yeah because killing a guy isn't going to get you your money no yeah. is, killing is not is not a you know it's not something that goes on you know on a regular basis that's just not that's not the way it works yeah it's, it makes good movies yeah no. you know I mean in The Sopranos every week somebody got bumped off <laughs> you know well, I guess I could kind of see if a, uh, let's say, a capo gets way out of line. Uh, you know, it's one of the things, if it, if it comes to a point where you can't trust that person anymore, you can't let them go, you can't fire them like you would in a business, because they know too much. No, there's no firing. And if you... You're in, you're in for life. Yeah, and if you can't... There's no get. there's if, no, I quit. If you can't trust them, then, they, then they're not making you that money. I could see that getting killed i don't remember a lot of maybe there was but i don't remember in sopranos a lot of let's say gamblers ever getting killed it seemed like it was capos and and collectors and yeah. you know and and cap and and now what i'm saying is know. they had more of that violence in the sopranos on a regular basis than you would ever find in an actual operation i mean it's just right right for one thing they did do the thing about I mean, they very seldom, it would be a very unusual thing for a, what they would call a citizen to get killed. It's always somebody in the family or in the, you know. Right, right. One of the guys is part of the crew or something. Again, that's it makes sense. If you get out of line, I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah, that's I mean, exactly If you right. can't trust a guy anymore, and you're like, well, I don't know if he's not going to be pocketing cash all the time. I can't be having that. But you can't kick him out. You know, yeah, no, there's nothing you can. There's nothing that can be done. I mean, that's why there was some of the most uh, wrenching parts of The Sopranos was when he had to get rid of an old friend. Yeah, like Big Puss, or yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it was like you know, this is this is 
this is what we do, and you broke the law, and there's nothing else I can do. I mean, I can't put you on retirement or something. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just got to swim with the fishes, as they say. Well, I, I, I'm trying to remember in The Sopranos, is when citizens got taken out, it seemed like it was because they knew too much from somebody, and they were, uh, and somehow in cahoots with the FBI. It always, I mean, it had to have been like a serious, serious infraction, but I, maybe I'm wrong on that. It seems like that seemed like the case. They would, it, a lot of roughing up, sure, a lot of breaking kneecaps, so to speak. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, but, well, they wouldn't, they wouldn't like, kill, they wouldn't kill anybody that was an FBI agent, I can tell you that. Well, yeah, it seemed like. But, uh, uh, um, well, think about, I'm trying to think if there's ever, if there was ever a citizen that did something, uh, one of my favorite episodes was the Jewish motel owner. One of one of the guys that Tony knew very well was this Jewish guy, and this was his son. Okay. And the son ran this hotel, which oh right, right. He was like Tony. Dating. You know, Tony had somebody? money, and let's put it this way: Tony had money in the hotel. You know. He helped the guy buy the hotels, and he was a yeah. partner and all that stuff. That was the, the so, father son, and then they, they he wouldn't they wouldn't cooperate. You can't tell us what to do. That kind of thing, right? Well, what what it was was the son was doing stuff to his wife. Right, right. He was roughing her up, and she wouldn't listen to him. She wouldn't follow the, the Jewish traditions. So. The father was actually, in this case, the father told Tony about it, and and uh, I think he was the father of the of the girl. Yeah, yeah. So so Tony sends, you know, uh, Silvio and and uh, one of Silvio's crew over there, and they beating the guy all up, and the guy, you know, he, he's not going to do what they want him to do. I think he, they wanted the so divorce, they, right? They wanted the divorce, but he didn't do it because yeah. she'd get half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. I got so, yeah. so they beat him up and everything, but he still he's not going to do it. Right. So they called Tony from the hotel. The guy's laying on the ground, right. on the floor in the hotel. So Tony gets out of sleep, or he was sleeping with some woman, or whatever he was doing, and uh, he comes rushing down there, all you know, in sandals and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's aggravated, you know. Yeah, so he naturally. he goes down. And he gets the guy on the floor. The guy says, you know something? He says, you got to remember something. He says, we've been around a long time. He said, we we beat the Romans with only 5,000 men, and the Romans had 10,000, and we still beat them. And here we are. We're still here, and where are the Romans? And Tony goes, you're looking at them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was a beauty. That's why, like, beat the him with the phones on that big old phone at the desk or something, right? I don't remember. The way they ended up getting him was Tony was going to cut off his stuff. Yeah. And that was that that was the cinching deal right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'll do it right there. Yeah. But uh, anyway. Yeah. You're uh, saying that's not obviously very common. No. <laughs> well, I'd imagine well, I mean, so many, you know. It was so many. What they did was they took, like, let's say, you know, three different organizations in three different cities over an entire career and put it into those episodes so that it looked like it was happening every week. Right, okay. I mean, 
usually things run fairly smoothly. They don't have all those emergencies like they have with the, with the Sopranos on a regular basis. You know, if you got the right kind of sure, sure. organization running, you know. Sure, sure. But, uh, yeah, all right. Yeah, it is sense. something that's, you know, it's a lifetime thing, and it's, uh, it's just it's it's kind of uh now Christopher Moltisani was a was originally a muscle and then moved up to Capo, right? Are they right? Or I didn't I was never yeah. really sure what he did because it didn't seem like he ever did anything oh, that he was supposed to do. He was part of a crew. Okay. And you know, he had a responsibility for a certain amount of bets that they they gave him to collect. And within that responsibility came the job of muscle right. on those particular ba- on those particular gamblers. So he had the you know like he had the guy that was the actor. Right. He was always right. trying to get TV jobs and stuff. Right, right. That right. had the sports car and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He was he, he was one of his customers that was giving him all kinds of trouble. Right, right. The guy was shocked when 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 um. When he showed up and, and punched the guy right in the face, the guy opened the door and just punched him. Now <laughs> <laughs> he ended up getting the guy's car and all that stuff. Yeah, Cars yeah. are a big thing in this. Uh, uh, that's a big uh, a big item. Now, I'm going to I'm I'm ask something. And I'll oh, let, here he comes with I'll, the car. I'll edit it, I'll edit it out if, if I need okay, to. Okay, please do. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'm whatever. Not going to that's gonna sound. No, I know it's you know. fine. Uh, if if you can't answer it, I'll just edit out my asking you the question. <laughs> <laughs> I recall a lot of cars as a kid, <laughs> and and I, and I remember a Cadillac that Mom took to California that still gives you shivers hearing that we took a family trip in the Cadillac. Yeah, he well, said, if you were to get pulled over, or rather, if you ran into the wrong person with that. Oh my no, lord! You wouldn't, want to, you wouldn't want to be driving around in that Cadillac. Now, is there any stories behind post- that I can hear, or what? Well, that is not anything. There's nothing criminal about that. Okay. I mean, that's just you know a car that I had to keep over in Phoenix for a while, and I went and picked it up. In fact, in Dallas, I wasn't even living in Dallas. Then. Okay. But. Um, that's all it was. A car in transit, I guess you could call it. Okay. All right. I mean, I didn't know much about the particulars, you know. Yeah, don't ask, don't tell. I understand. You know, I'm getting this little, I keep getting this little message. I never get a chance to read it all because it goes off. But it says something about a bad Internet connection. Are you on a wireless connection? No. Hmm. Okay. Well, I am. I, well, I don't know whether, well, I'm plugged in, though. Hmm. But, uh, you know, U-verse is, uh, AT&T U-verse is supposedly wireless. Right. Well, I'm just thinking sometimes a wireless connection, you know, if it's not full strength, it might warn you that you might lose internet connection, and that's probably what it's telling you. It's like, hey, you know. I've seen this before. I've never seen this particular message before. I don't know, man. So it's something to do with this thing here. No idea. So do, do I need to edit that out, the last part, or no? What? The the question the and the answer, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter, I don't guess. All right. I'll, I'll leave it in because it's kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I mean, I think I've I think I've covered the. Uh, I, I didn't know whether you wanted all kind of particulars about the. Hey, look, I know that there's a lot of particulars I'll never get. Uh, so, <laughs> well, but it's it's more stuff that I know of or had witnessed or know about. It's right, it's right. not stuff that I did. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, yeah. It's I am not holding back. You know, some terrible thing that I did or something. Uh, right, there's nothing right. like that going on. Okay. It's just that I was close enough to the situation over a long period of time right? that, uh, you know, I mean, I know stuff that went on. You know, that's all. Right, right, right. I mean, there's there's entire stories you've told me before that, that, that I was just like, man, I'd love to share that with people. But, you know, it's like, I don't know how, how, how detailed you would get retelling it for an audience of potentially millions. <laughs> so I go, ah, I probably shouldn't even ask because I'll just have to edit it out and I'll just be like, gosh, I wish I could tell people about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, one day, you know, whatever. So, you know, that'll be something I have to ask offline. Hey, can we talk about this? Can you tell me that story? And then you go, no. Or, uh, yeah, I can tell parts of it. I'll leave out this or that, you know. Yeah, well. It's all good. <laughs> it's just, um, it's uh, it's not something I'm real proud about. It's just that it helped me many times to have a place to go when I needed, you know, a good little piece of chunk of cash. <clears throat> sure. Well, I mean, I, I think what it is, it's it's not so much that you would necessarily need to be proud, but I mean, we've all we've we've talked many times about the the, the uh, fascination with that entire side of. Of, uh, of the world, yeah. if you will, the, that, that subculture, that whatever you want to call it, uh, that seedy underbelly. And, and you've said before that even people that you casually know, uh, in fact, there was an episode of Sopranos where Tony Sopranos is hanging out, one of the most annoying episodes ever, which really made me like, uh, a new respect for Tony, uh, was, and I could relate, was when he was, he was golfing with those yuppies. And oh yeah, was, and it was just the whole episode was them like yeah, yeah, yeah mafia. Hey, can, you know, get a guy whacked, and and he was this weird outsider where they were like he was a yeah. They asked a him spectacle. if he knew John Gaddy. Yeah, yeah, it was like a spect- yeah. he was a he was a spectacle to them. He was a yeah, yeah, a exactly. toy or something, and and he remembered about the retarded kid that he hung out with in his youth, and uh, I've I've been in that situation. I've I've you know where where people see piercings in the mohawk or whatever, and they're kind of completely outside of that world and they ask questions that at first seem like they're genuinely interested and then slowly start to devolve into this making fun of me through the way of questions and uh, so when I saw that episode the golf one not only did I relate to it but I also related to it on your level where I thought I wonder how often this happens to dad and it's probably specifically on a golf course I just about guarantee that exact scenario has happened to you You know what I'm saying? And you've you've alluded to people that you've casually known in your life sort of going, so, what's the what's the inside scoop there, buddy? And you're like, I, I don't got anything. But you kind of want to tease them with it. I don't yeah. Know. And I do that. I mean, I've, I've done that a lot. I mean, it's, it's particularly as the whole Italian thing has gotten so, you know, starting with the Godfather and the casino and the Goodfellas, and it was one after another. Yeah, yeah. And then, and the Sopranos, of course, just topped all that off because that was really uh, very authentic. 
Yeah, it's it's fascinating people and you know my friends are all sure. asking me about that. And that's the thing is I keep going, well, if you've got a specific question that you want me to ask him, I'll be happy to. And of course, they all start with, well, did he ever kill anyone? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you think I'm going to ask him that for one? And you think for two that he's going to say on a podcast? Oh yeah. Yeah. I whacked a few guys. Oh, yeah. What's it to you? <laughs> I'm all like, oh, how God. how stupid do you take for both of us to be? You know, like, well, I'm, for one thing, I've never been a very violent guy of, of any kind. I mean, I've just never been that type of person. People that know me would say that. However, at the same time as I say that, I I know that I look intimidating. Yeah, you've used that you to know. your advantage over the years. Um, exactly. I would. I think next time we talk, I'm going to just say it now because I'll so I can remind myself to ask you next time we talk. I want you to tell because I try to relate it. Uh, the story of how you got your kitchen. <laughs> My kitchen. All the stuff in your kitchen from Sears. Oh, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I've related that story to a few people, and every single time it ends with them going, "Damn, can I get your dad to call a couple of people for me?" <laughs> Well, that's just a consumer complaining kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, but, you know, it's just, it's a sort of... It helps you to be, it's always helped me my whole life to be a big guy in yeah. everything I do. I mean, it's just no doubt about it. Yeah. Business-wise, with women, uh, with uh, problems, sure. with anything you can name, being big is an advantage. There's no doubt about it. Sure, sure. And there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, it's not like I, you know, I didn't... I'm born like this, so... Yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> it wasn't some great thing I came up with. <clears throat> yeah. And there's, but, a, uh, you know, there's a, it, advantages, all, all sites, sorts of things that you, you, people are born with. I, I hear you. It's, yeah, I and, I, and, I have, and, I, and I have... Um, I'm so used to the fact that I'm a big guy that I do sling it around somewhat when it comes to consumer-related things, you know. Sure, sure. That's why a lot of people won't eat in a restaurant with me, because I'm, you know, I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, I really man. am. I'm, you I'm know, just, I know, I'm, I know. I've, I've, had, I've had dinner with you. Oh, that's I've right. You yeah, yeah. <laughs> we ate at the House yeah, of Pies. <laughs> yeah, House of Pies. And I think that, to some degree, I think that it's the same sort of things that Adam Carolla guy was telling you about. He has a book called In 50 Years We'll All Be Chicks. And he has a number of consumer complaints from a consumer's perspective. And at no point do I disagree with him, just as I don't disagree with you at the House of Pies thing. Um, but I think that, to me, and probably the same thing with Jenny, <laughs> your wife, Jenny, oh, yeah. is it's a thing where it's like, you don't need to say that. You don't need to make an uncomfortable situation. You can just do what you're going to do. You don't need to tell them, like, I'm going to sit here for as long as I want. Don't bring me the check or try to rush me. I'll just do that. I don't need to bring it up to an issue, least of all with people that are handling my food. But I just don't – I won't bring that up because it's like why, why create a weird, uncomfortable scene that makes everyone at the table uncomfortable, makes the waitress uncomfortable or waiter, whoever – uh, when that's what I'm gonna do, I'm just gonna stay here and do my thing, and I'll ignore that they're being pushy about it. I don't need to yell about that. And Adam Carolla in his book has a sub, uh, number of situations where he, I don't know how they went down, but the way that he describes them makes me think that he might be a little short-tempered, 
and that it'll have various consumer issues that I've never, ever, ever had, even looking the way I do, because I don't, I'm not the kind of person who, when something starts to look like it's going to go bad, jumps to the conclusion that I need to now step up and say something about it. I'll wait till it gets bad because I figure, you know what, they're just being the way they're going to be. And I'm going to just stay cool-minded about it. And in a way, I'm manipulating them with, you know, kindness or whatever have you. Like, I, I've gotten out of tickets, you know, being pulled. I've been pulled over uh, drunk with an expired license and no insurance and no actual driver's license. Like, expired plates, no insurance, uh, uh, no driver's license. And I was drunk. And I got out of it. They literally just let me go because I'm very nice to them. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's that sort of thing where I feel like making a scene usually makes stuff worse because now everybody's on edge and it becomes this big dramatic thing. And I think that's my, my only take on it. I don't, I agree with you entirely of what you said at the House of Pies. The lady brought the check for anybody listening. The lady brought the check over. We weren't even done with our, with our meal. Dad was still uh, considering whether to get dessert. And the lady brought the check, drops it down. Do you need anything else? Which is a very, let's get you out of this restaurant because you're wasting our money by sitting here. And you said, you had this long speech to her about, <laughs> we're going to sit here. <laughs> we're going to finish our meal. I now know you, know, that you need to do it. Go ahead. What I said, it's okay. <laughs> we get the point. <laughs> well, anyway, my point is that I would have just been like, that's what I'm going to do. We were going to sit there as long as we wanted. I don't care that she dropped the check. I know that's what they're going to do, but it, I don't, I, I'm just, whatever. Well, I'm doing my she thing. also was taking plates. See, see, here's the thing. If you got more than one person at the table, I just don't think you should pick up the person's plate while somebody else is still eating, even if that person's finished. You see what I'm saying? Because now that person that is not finished, it feels like they have to hurry up and finish, or are they just going to let you take the plate and not finish because they don't want to cause a problem. So, to me, it's the rudeness on that side of it needs to be attacked. Okay, that's fair. That's a fair. Yeah, yeah that's kind of the way I look at it. Sure. And, I mean, I understand that it's not her rule. It's the rule of the restaurant. There is the biggest problem in my mind is that she's paying the price for somebody else's rule. Yeah. She's just going by the rule. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that's, yeah, yeah, that's I'm, bad. I'm bad. I'm bad about. Mm. I'm not a good consumer person. To no, deal I mean with. again, I, I don't disagree with you on any of these. I mean, I'm you fully within your rights, and that is, I agree that that's a rude <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. I mm. uh, normally, if I if if I feel that way, like I usually just leave some food on my plate, and then they'll go, Are "You still working on that?" And I'll say, "Yeah." Because now, because I, I then I take it on myself. Like I don't want to be rude to who I'm eating with. Yeah. You know, so I'll take it on my own to be. Well, like, I, I've you know. developed quite a reputation on that line. <laughs> oh wait, here comes this message again. There's a problem mm. in the internet that it isn't. <laughs> it never well. gives me enough time to read it. I mean, I can't read that fast. Right, well, I'm, I'm sorry that it's uh, quick and it's just a little blip. It keeps coming up, so I don't know whether any of this is even going to come out now. Really. No, I mean it's fine. I've got you. We're good. Uh, we're good. We got a full two hours here. This was a very good. I think this makes up for not doing it over a week now. 
So, but uh, we need to shut it down. However, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, it's been a, this was a good episode. I feel good about this one. How you feeling? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, because I even got stuff left over for the next time. Yeah. See, and to I do, do with these. Uh, science that? aspect oh yeah yeah i'll write that down and the science topic uh let's see that science thing. okay He's writing science down on his sheet yeah. <laughs> I, I wrote the science thing because if i say science then i might come to you and be like what was it about science so let's talk science <laughs> and then you might go uh and then I'll just have to throw out some random scientific factoid that I found because I read up on no, weird, I, weird developments and stuff, you know. I've got some stuff that's pretty interesting. Cool, cool. I love science. I mean, it's unusual. It's unusual stuff, you know. It's unusual. Which is always good. Science, a lot of people don't want to talk about science. But in this case, it's kind of unusual, though. Unusual stuff. Anyway, I guess we can call it a day. Indeed. And uh, a wrap or whatever you call that. Well, thank you for sharing with everyone the uh, ins and outs, if you will, the overview of bookies. Uh, the bookie operation. The bookie operation you know, from an insider's perspective, so to speak. And, uh, you know, there's no more of that, though. I mean, that's not – they just don't do it that way anymore. And they don't need to. They're probably very happy about that. <laughs> now they can uh, just – they can call up a collection agency to do all the work for you, and it's all, you know, uh, above ground. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know whether that's the case or not. I, it was a very profitable business, and it's gotten, you know, it's just overdone now. It's, you know, So I, I doubt the same profits are available on that basis, you know. You think? Hmm. But uh, I guess I figure if you're running a casino and somebody's not paying you, instead of having to pay a guy yeah. who pays a guy or whatever have you, or paying out capos yeah. and things like this, it's direct. You can now slap it and garnish their wages. Oh, yeah. It's a legal thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. You and can it's, study immediately in Vegas, too. I mean, Vegas laws are such that they're in favor of the casino Yeah, yeah. to collect money. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like yeah, that's got to be that, easier. They just hit a button and you're you're done. That's it. Uh, they don't the have to pay other, extra. The other thing that's nice is with the, with the betting is that the money is collected out front. You, you, you have collect- the only collection problems is usually from a guy that's got a reputation for betting and losing a lot of money and they're giving him their company and everything and sure sure all of a sudden he doesn't want to pay yeah yeah that's the kind of guy we're talking about it's not going to be some guy with 200 bucks in his pocket you know yeah yeah makes sense sure but uh and it's owned by big corporations and investors and all that stuff you know it's not going to be the same you know yeah, yeah, and it's but all, nothing you know. stays the same. I mean, in the world we the world we live in now, change is like immediate every day. Yep. You think about Google, what it's trying to do right now, which I'm not going to get into. But I mean, yeah, we it's just that, yeah. blows your mind to think of all this stuff. You know, my mind anyway. Absolutely. All right, Mitchell, I'm going to leave it at that. Okay, sounds good. Hopefully, we'll get a few a few more listeners. Yeah, I think probably, I think this will good. I'll probably get some phone calls. <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> from people I haven't heard from in a long time. But anyway, I didn't I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> For the record, so, Dad did nothing yeah. wrong. Dad did nothing wrong. <laughs> if anybody's asking. <laughs> All right. Well, I love you and miss you a lot, and hopefully we'll 
do this again next week because this really helps me a lot just uh, having the communication with you and everything. Absolutely. I love this. This is a good time. Uh, You know, it gives me something to look forward to on Tuesdays. Have fun at your concert and take care of yourself. I will, Dad. Thank you and take care and I love you and I miss you too and we'll talk again next week. All right. Good night. All right. Good night.